Don't you just love people and their great ideas, great advice uh, they give you? Uh, that's one of the most pivotal things that we have in our, in our lives, relationships where people like tell us what they think, give us advice, tell us what they ought to do. And some sources are a little bit more credible than others. And so especially when it comes to our faith and how we listen to people and their ideas about who God is or how we ought to follow Jesus, like it matters who we have speaking into our lives, who has our ear when it comes to that. And so we're going to be talking about that this morning. Before we jump into that, though, I just want to kind of give you an overview. Like Lisa said, we're, talk, we're talking about Jumpstart, and we're talking about the transformative, uh, growth, pivotal things that matter when it comes to our faith. And we're talking about those in terms of five different areas. And last week, we talked about Bible application. And I just want to, I just want to pause right there. We talked about this book, Core 52, and some of you saw this as you walked into the, to the lobby and saw this on our welcome cart. Uh, Core 52 is a book that, I mean, th- we're going to be talking about this at different points throughout the year, just, just to encourage you and to remind you. And some people will be new coming in and not even know about it. But we're kicking off the year with this. And how many of you, how many of you uh, read this and did this last week? Have you done? Okay, a few of you in there. And I know sometimes like, it's like, oh, man, I got the book, but I haven't read it yet. It's cool. No perfect people allow. And it's, it's all right. If you haven't started, you can always start at some, at some point uh, throughout this year. And want to encourage you to do that. Uh, this is a book with 52 different weeks, 52 weeks for the year. And it's dealing with 52 themes from, from the Bible. And so last week we talked about how one of the foundational cornerstones for us, obviously that's Jesus, but built on that is God's word. Jesus is the word who became flesh. And so when Jesus says, hey, you ought to do what I say so you know what it looks like to follow me and to love God in your life, knowing what the Bible says to be able to act on it is a critical part of that. And so this is simply a tool for you to do that. Each week you'll read through a particular theme of the Bible. You'll read through some chapters and verses uh, that will support that theme. Uh, It will have an essay to explain some of that for you, some of the cultural context and historical background for you. It also give you a memory verse, which is totally cool. You can do this. You can memorize one verse. The first verse for the week was Genesis 1-1, which is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, we can do this. We can do this as a church, and we know that this will be transformative, not just for us individually, but for all of us as a church family. If we know and we live out what the Bible says, that's, uh, that's a huge part, huge pivotal transformative part of our faith. And so I want to encourage you to pick up one of these books. Uh, we ask for a $10 donation, which doesn't give any money to the church. It simply recoups the cost of the books. Or you can buy it from Amazon, or you can maybe, I don't think it's on Audible, but you could get it for your Kindle, however you would like to consume this resource uh, best, but we have some copies out there for you for the lobby. Um, if if ten bucks for a, for uh, for a book, especially if you got family members, you know that you, that you want to um, uh, to do this with, if that's a financial hardship for you, we just want to give it to you. And so feel free to, uh, to grab that. You can um, put some money in the the gray box out there, or you can go online uh, if if you want to do that as well. Uh, one one final note. <clears throat> I talked with somebody this week. I won't say who. But last week I said, and I called out the guys, and I said, hey, don't just do the thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to share it with my wife, you know, like you do with the program, you know, when you come, or the bulletin when you come in, in the church. Like, actually get your own copy, be committed to doing that, maybe together, sure, but you can highlight, you can write notes in, and, and really engage with that. I want to encourage you uh, to do that. 
So we started there. Uh, we're also going to be talking about godly relationships, spiritual discipline, personal ministry, and faithful circumstances. And today we're talking about godly relationships. We've all given and we've all taken advice from friends uh, that we respect to some degree over the years. Some of it maybe a little bit more subconsciously than we imagine. Uh, but in all the ways that we're influenced in our day-to-day when it comes to the media that we consume or the news outlets we follow or the podcasts that we listen to or the entertainment that we enjoy... Uh, we might receive any kind of direction in our life from those things. It's the relationships that we keep. It's the relationships that we maintain, that we make time for, uh, that we keep closest to us, the people who have our ear that influence us the most. The people we surround ourselves with give us the best indicator of where we're headed in our life. While no one else is responsible for our lives, and no one else is responsible for our faith journey, we've all experienced some sort of lifelong impact from those who are closest to us. And when we're old enough and we're a little bit more wise from life lessons over the years, uh, we know that it's important to make sure that those who have the greatest access to our hearts and our minds and our life matters. It, It alters our lives for either good or bad. It matters how we give our time and attention to our relationships because of how we're influenced by those investments. And when it comes to the value of godly relationships in regards to jump-starting or growing or starting or exploring our faith, some of the most valuable ways that we experience God are through each other. It's our relationships. We're made in his image. We're striving to be more and more like him as disciples of Jesus. And we're meant to be a family of believers who are regularly challenging each other and encouraging each other, giving each other, each other strength um, to be a part of this family of believers and inviting others to be a part of that with us. Godly relationships are the context in which we're called to live out our faith. The reason you're here right now, for example, is because of some sort of godly influence or godly relationship. And so we're going to take part in, in, a, in an exercise, and some of you are not going to like me at all for, for this, and that's okay. I wouldn't like me either if I were sitting where you are, but we're, we're going to do this together anyway. And, and here's what we're going to do. With, with the person who's around you, with your seat neighbor, I'm going to ask you to talk to them for a few seconds. And I know that like, for some of you, it's like, that's, that's not something I'm interested in doing at all. That's not why I came to church. <laughs> I don't want to talk to anybody else. And I, I'm, I'm with you there. I understand. Like, I have solidarity, fellow introverts unite together separately in your own homes. Um, but I want, you, I want you to think of someone in your, in your mind, somebody who uh, was transforming you when it came to your relationship with God or your faith. Someone who uh, pops up to you, uh, whether it's a family member or it's a friend, whoever it is, that has made some sort of impact in, in your life al- along the way. It doesn't have to, you don't have to think about something that's like, oh, man, this, this, this huge, like, 30-minute long testimony that I can share about this thing that, that happened. But whoever, whoever comes to mind that you know, like, how, how you observed how they lived out their faith or maybe something they said to you, whatever that looked like, um, I want you to think about that name, and I want you to mention that to your neighbor. Now, before you do that, I know for some of us, we're new to church. We're not sure what, really what we think about God <laughs> yet, and maybe we don't think of things in those terms. And so what I want to encourage you to do, uh, you, you have a name as well, and maybe that's the name of the person, the reason that you're here this morning. Maybe somebody that convinced you to give God a second chance or, or maybe just kind of revisit what you think about it or made you curious or at least somebody maybe that you respect 
because of their faith and how they, how they live it out. And so uh, what I would love for you to do is kind of share who that person is, maybe give a quick snippet, maybe within 30 seconds about how they, uh, how they were transformed or, or changing for you. Um, and, and I want you to share that with your neighbor, either beside you or behind you or in front of you, whoever, whoever that is, and, and go ahead and, and do that now for the next few seconds. All right, I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate you doing that. I love, I love hearing that there's some good, I don't know, maybe you're talking about how crazy it is the Titans beat the Ravens last night or, or something like that. But I appreciate you taking part in the exercise. Maybe there's some conversations that you just started that would be great to continue over lunch today uh, or some other you know, thing this week. Maybe grab coffee with that person to hear more about that. Um, I appreciate you taking part in that exercise because here's the thing. Our faith, our faith doesn't happen in a vacuum. Even, even if we think, you know, like every, everything that, that we've thought through and the, the place that we've arrived at, at this point in our lives is just due to ourselves, like it's, it's not true. We're, we're influenced. Our, our lives don't happen in a vacuum, and they're not supposed to. That's not how God designed it. And, and since I asked you to do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing. I'm going to share a few names with you, though. I'm not going to share all the background and the story with you, uh, but there have been people who have impacted my faith journey in uh, just irreversible, uh, amazing, amazing ways uh, because of their time and investment in relationships with me. My parents are one of them, Mike and Diana. Um, they uh, were amazing and continue to be uh, amazing for me, uh, transformative in how they live out their faith and how they've encouraged uh, me to live out mine. I met some friends in college, EL, Aaron, Chris, and Jason, who continue to be transformative for me. Um, they are a part of my survival in ministry. Uh, I've talked with them every week. They're also pastors as well. Uh, they preach and lead their congregations, uh, and it's amazing to have them as a support system. I also have a best friend, Richard, <clears throat> same thing. Uh, he's in a different part of that group uh, because we've actually been through the trenches together. We've worked at a church together, and we know what that looks like and some of the things that we've, uh, we've been through. And that's, uh, that's an amazing part of my life and my faith journey. I've had some, uh, some people uh, that I went and studied uh, to do what I do, uh, to learn more about the Bible, learn more about what it looks like uh, to lead and be, uh, be a disciple of Jesus in, in this way. Uh, Ronnie Woolard is a professor of mine. Bill Griffin was the president of the college that I went to. Tom Thatcher was a professor in my graduate school. Uh, that I went to, and the way that these uh, people lived out their faith, the way that they dealt with the Bible, um, and what it means to know it and to put it into practice uh, in my life have, have made an indelible impact on me um, in such a way that uh, I wouldn't be standing here doing what I am doing today, and I wouldn't be able to continue doing it if it weren't for the influence of some of those people in my life. But not even that encompasses the entirety of the impact that I've had on my life to the global church. All kinds of, regardless of how much time I was able to spend, whether on a mission trip, whatever it looked like, with a particular church congregation or a church family, but family of all believers that exist all across the, the world, the ways that I've been impacted just by brief moments with the relationships that I've been able to share with godly people uh, throughout my life and throughout the world. Godly relationships are a foundational faith practice from the very beginning of the church. In Acts chapter 2, this is one of my favorite passages, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we get a glimpse, we get a picture of what the early church was about and what they were doing as a result of who Jesus is. 
they the church they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God uses community and relationship to move in and direct and impact our lives for our benefit and for the benefit of those around us. And so when the Holy Spirit guides us into, the, in, into godly relationships with the people that we've come across throughout the years, like those aren't coincidences, those aren't things that just happen to happen as a matter of course because you're a Christian and you meet other people who are Christians too. But this is uh, precisely how God's providential care and plan for our faith journey is worked out. He works through community and relationships. And so what we're going to do is we're going to highlight uh, both how we ought to incorporate godly, godly relationships within our lives and also how we are to become a godly relational person as well. We're going to connect this together with some ancient wisdom from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And so Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, Solomon writes this. He says, and I love how direct these, these kinds of things are. I, th I think it's great. He says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And we know, like, even from an anecdotal standpoint, we know, we know this is true. Like, there's some things that we probably think of. We think of, you know, the people who have been transformative for us, godly people that we mentioned. Now, if I said, hey, think about a couple people who have brought you to harm in your life, like, you'd be able to come up with that pretty easily, and we could talk about that well. But there's a really interesting distinction here between the impact of the wise versus the foolish companions, and it's the way in which Solomon describes how this comes about and how this takes place. On the one hand, when talking about the wise, and we're talking about someone that we're in very close association here, not somebody that we're just appreciating from a distance, uh, the language is about becoming, what we will become when we walk with the wise. On the other hand, companionship with fools is spoken about in terms of what will happen to us because of our attention uh, with them. And the reason it's significant is, the is in the contrast of what wise people versus foolish people are all about. There's a great tie-in here. We could talk about last week's message and talking about the wise and foolish builders at the end of Matthew chapter 7 and how doing what Jesus says is, is borne out when it comes to how we build on the foundation that we're called to, to, to build on. Uh, if you didn't hear that message, go jump on the podcast and, and check that out or read Matthew chapter 7 and the story about the wise and foolish builders and the storm that comes. The wise person knows what the right thing is to do, and they do what they can to strive to make that happen in their lives. The foolish person knows what the right thing to do is and, and doesn't care. And that's the distinction between the wise and the foolish builder of last week. They, they know they both need to be on a foundation. One cares, the other one doesn't. And the way this plays out is in the decision-making process. The wise person is concerned about seeking out and doing what is right because of who they're striving to become or uh, in a more uh, a pared-down biblical sense and who God has created them to be Whereas the foolish person is concerned with doing what they want in the moment without any concern of the ramifications of tomorrow and, and what might come as a result of it. To a degree, we fin figure out some of this naturally. Like, at this point in my life, when I think of 11 p.m., I think of that as being an extremely late night. Is anybody with me? 
At the, have we got, like, I don't know. I don't know what that says about me. I, I don't care because at 11 p.m., I'm like, man, I wish I was in bed an hour ago. You know, and so I, I know, like, at this point in my life, there, there are some particular relationships that if, you know, all we want to do is hang out late at night and, like, that's the only thing that's going to happen, I'm not going to be able to put all that time and emphasis into that because I know what's coming next, the morning <laughs> and responsibility. And the kids don't all sleep in. My oldest does, which is amazing, but the younger two don't, you know. And so I know that that's, that's coming and that they're going to want to hang out with me, which is great. I love that part. And so I know that I need to go to bed. <laughs> Um, because if I don't, it won't allow me to be the person that I need to be. And obviously, there are much more significant parameters than the effects of late-night bedtime. If you were to make a list of your closest friends and quantify their measure of influence in your life, the question is, would it be in a direction that you actually want to go? Like you kind of sit, not, not just like these are your best friends because of a matter of course, just because you just happen to be there uh, together in the place, place that you are, but are they headed in the direction that you want to go in? Or, and is, this is of much greater importance, is it in the direction God would have you go? Earlier in Proverbs, Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, he says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Here's a clear metric for success and godly relationships throughout the Bible, and it's that, that those relationships lead us closer to God. That's, that's what it is, and we need them. And not only is the alternative to be knocked off course or end up where we never intended to go, but it's also to suffer harm along the way. One of the things that I've heard uh, people that have uh, a group or a church family or a group of Christian uh, friends that, that surround them, one of, one of the things that I hear regularly, and I've heard regularly throughout my life, when people go through a crisis, because they will come, the storm will come. We talked about that, that, that last week, when they deal with something that's less than ideal, when they've ended up somewhere that they didn't want to go, they always say, because they're so grateful and they're so thankful for the way that fellow disciples of Jesus have surrounded them and cared for them and prayed for them, one of the things that's always said is, I don't understand how other people who don't have a church family, who don't have a group of people who care about who they're becoming in Jesus to surround them, I don't know how they do it. Don't understand how people go it alone. Like, that's our, our second deal here as a church. No perfect people allowed, and then we say no one stands alone, which is actually a really hard thing to put together if you really think about the implications of that, is that we're willing to be there for each other. We're willing to be in this godly relationship with each other because we need it. It helps us to survive. It helps us to thrive. It helps us to grow in our faith. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I know for a fact in my own life that I didn't have the people that I have around me who know who I am, who know all my junk, who know all my failings, but still don't fail to encourage me and strengthen me. I know I wouldn't be here right now, today, with you. I would not be in this position. I would, be not, do, I would not be doing what I'm doing without those relationships in my life. I'd be way off course, and I know that's why the Holy Spirit has led me to those relationships. The best way to incorporate those types of godly relationship in your life is to look for those who are walking the walk and talking the talk of Jesus, striving to be like him more and more, and being with them, spending time with them, making sacrifices in our schedules and in our hobbies and the things that we do in our life and, like, not binging Netflix as much, you know, just, just to be with those people, to, to spend time with them. Developing friendships with those who are friends of God. Again, this is about becoming. 
This is about what's to come in our life. Walk with the wise and become wise. Godly relationships jumpstart our faith. They're worth worth the time and investment in our lives because they remind us of who we're striving to become more like. It's one of our primary reasons for having small groups at Velocity. Like, I, I know we have stuff going on. I know we have busy schedules. I know we have responsibilities. I know we have all the things that are going on in our life. But we know that gathering together, just like the early church did, and they spent that time, I mean, they... They, they were there uh, together to encourage each other to survive and thrive in their faith and grow and, and grow in who, who they are because of who Jesus is and what he had done and how much God loves them. And that's one of the things that we accomplish within our small groups. That, that's why they exist. That's why we made that a priority, why we want everybody to, to be a part of that. They were devoted to gathering together in each other's homes. And while it doesn't always have to be in a home, uh, we have a, a building here that we use sometimes for those groups as well. Uh, they were drawing closer to each other and to God, and their way of relationship was and is a necessary part of our relationship with God. The value of a personal relationship with Jesus is expressed within devoted fellowship with fellow disciples of Jesus in provision, in service, in prayer, in Bible study, and we want everyone to experience this. Now, here's the thing we don't promise. We cannot promise that you're going to find your next best friend in a small group. Um, you know, we let unperfect people, imperfect, is unperfect a word? Imperfect people uh, here at this church. <laughs> and so uh, that doesn't always necessarily mean it's like, oh, man, we're going to be perfect for each other if we go into a small group. Um, but you'll certainly have the opportunity to find that best friend, that godly relationship, uh, if we're willing to put the time, effort, and commitment into doing uh, those things. The other place that you're going to find people to walk with and this is true, um, th- these things are true regardless of, of where you find yourself in life. Um, uh, find people to walk with in wisdom is in serving. Being about what Jesus was about with others who are doing the same put us in a position to know and be known by people who are about walking as Jesus walked. Whether it's a mission trip to Nicaragua or serving with Velocity Kids or prepping communion or serving with single mothers during Fresh Start, um, for single mothers and their children, um, my, I know for, for a fact my most impactful godly relationships have come from the people that I'm on the front lines with. And that's no accident because that's where God is moving to. And then the flip side of this coin, this flip side to pursuing godly relationships by looking to be with disciples of Jesus, the other side of that coin is that we're desirous to be the disciples of Jesus others can walk with and pursue to become more like him as well. Just like you and I can think of a name of somebody who's been transformative in a faith way, in a godly relationship way uh, for us, we want to strive to be the people that somebody else would name and think of for them. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, we read that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And while we absolutely want to benefit from the friendship of others, we want them to benefit from our friendship and godly relationship as well. There are some things that can make that difficult, how we view our own self-worth, how we value our personal pursuit of God, how we prioritize others in our schedules, the way that we go about things, the way we, that we shape our biblical worldview and allow it to be shaped by God's word. And sometimes it's even by the way in which we've been influenced by the culture we live in. Sometimes we attribute some of these things, I think, to our personalities when it really, really it's, it's something that's been ingrained in us in ways that we don't really expect. And I stumbled across this great article, 
as I was preparing for this, and it was from a Christian nonprofit organization that helps international students transition uh, into their time and living here in the United States as their, as their students. And so they give some relationship friendship advice in how to deal with Americans and their relationships. I find it fascinating. Hopefully you will too. Uh, they broke it down into three values that affect how Americans handle their friendships and their relationships. And the first one was this. Americans tend to value individualism and self-reliance. And we, we know that. At least I, I know that that's true. I want to know that I did a good job and that I did it. You know, I accomplished, I accomplished this thing, and I don't want to have to admit that I need other people. Uh, 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 many other cu- cultures find their value and their identity within their community, within their family. We're, we're very different. We want to know, I, I did this thing. It wasn't because I needed everybody else. It's a shared identity. We value being set apart from other individuals. So our personal success is very important to us. We probably prioritize our jobs and our families more than anything else in our lives. Um, and because of that, we may not prioritize very many other relationships, even godly ones, in, in our life. And this is really counter to the way that we're called to be in community and relationship with other people in our lives as Christians. It sharply contrasts the Christian life in which, uh, quite frankly, we're called to consider other people more important than ourselves. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this, and he says, hey, treat each other like Jesus treats us. He regards us as more important than we actually actually are. I mean, he's infinitely more important that that's not the way he treats us. And so we're called to a different way of living when it comes to living out our Christian faith. It's not one that separates us and keeps us isolated from everyone else, but it invites and invests in relationships with others. Now, the second one that they mentioned, and this is so true as well, uh, is that Americans like their privacy. Hey, how you doing? Uh, fine. I'm good. No, actually, everything's crumbling around uh, in my life, but I don't want to tell you about it because I feel guilty or ashamed or whatever the case may be. I don't want to actually tell you the truth about what's going on. Like, we all do that. That's, that's, all, a, that, that's all a part of, of what we do. We value our privacy. We'll give Facebook everything. Um, you know, but someone who's actually in front of us, like, we don't want to tell them anything that's going on in our lives. And yet, this is not the way that we've been called to. We've been called to love and care for each other, to pray for one another. We've been told to confess to, to, to one another so that we can pray for each other, so that we know how to surround each other, to encourage and challenge, challenge each other in our lives. And, and part of how we do that is with actual, in the flesh, people sitting across from us, relationships that we invest in in our lives. Um, the third and the final thing is that Americans categorize their relationships. And this is really interesting, I think, uh, because, um, you know, you know we, we segment out people and we say, well, these, these are people we keep, these are our work friends, these are our family friends, these are our hobby friends, these are our best friends. And we kind of keep all that separate. These are our church friends, <laughs> they're, they're over here. And what we do when we do that is we say, hey, you only have access to particular parts of my life. Because, and and some, of that, some of that is necessarily true. You can't be open and, and best friends with every single person on the planet. And it, that totally, totally makes sense. But some of that segmenting out, some of that compartmentalization actually damages the, the time and the effort that it takes to be vulnerable and to get into the type of godly relationships that, that we're called to. Um, while we might not deep, uh, develop deep relationships quickly, there's a baseline of love, respect, and grace 
that we ought to extend to all people as bearers of God's image. And sometimes when we don't do that, when we don't extend that same uh, baseline of love and grace and mercy to all, we miss out on the opportunities that God has for us to develop a godly relationship with others. We're called to be with godly people as godly people. It's all a part of our transformation to be more like Jesus in our lives. And, and I just want to share one final thought uh, to, to, to wrap this up. Because there's this thing kind of going on. It has been for a couple different years around our culture. And I want to connect this to how we think about the types of relationships God wants us to develop in our lives. There's this uh, movement of removing toxic people from your life. Have you, have you heard that? Like, is that a thing that you've seen, like, for the last few years? Like, this is something that you need to do in your life. <clears throat> um, there's a distinction, you know, and so I could see how, and this has been true for the church for, for a number of years, how we would take that idea and we would see the wisdom of that and yet uh, live it out in ways that God does not intend. Because, <clears throat> um, well, one of the things that I've noticed, and I shouldn't say this, and I took it out of my notes, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is one of the things that I've noticed, <clears throat> is that bad? Maybe we should stop recording. Um particularly on social media, is that, yeah, I won't say a second service, yeah, that's right, um, <laughs> is, that, is that the people who are preoccupied with that and talk about that the most seem to always have toxic people in their life they need to get rid of. And, and there are a couple things, a couple things that I would say. One is, well, maybe the decision-making process for how you develop friendships should change, and the other is, Maybe there's a reason that there seems to be a common denominator here <laughs> in your life. Um, the, the way we think about other people and how they impact us and how we ought to be impacted by them and then our responsibility for how we impact them, the way that God uh, uh, institutes, the way that Jesus models this uh, for us is very different the way that, than the way that we think or at least we're told to think about it culturally and living, living those same things out. When Jesus made decisions about who he would relate to, the type of people that he would stand and stomach in, in his relationship, he was willing to go to people who were not the religious elite. They were not the people from the best families uh, with the best resources. But he was willing to go to people who decided that, man, Jesus is worth giving up everything else for. Jesus is worth living a brand new life for. And those are the people that he made his closest disciples, his closest followers. And then from that standpoint, Jesus didn't go and say, hey, we need to go hang out with the religious elite because you need to look and sound and be more like them. He said, let's go to the hurting, to the poor, to the oppressed, the people who are marginalized, the people who are being withheld, you know, God is being withheld from, and let's spend time with them and make sure they know about who I am and who God is and how they're loved and how they're cared for. The ones who were toxic were the ones who ought to have known better. They were the ones who rejected Jesus and ignored and oppressed the very people Jesus knew needed God. And, and, and the thing I want to say is that the best part about pursuing godly relationships that help us to become wise and living out our faith is that while there are going to be some relationships in our life that we need to get rid of, and that we need to cut out because they're taking us in the direction that we don't want to go, the, the direction that God doesn't want to go either. Some of those need to be taken out in our lives. It absolutely needs to happen. As well, there's some of those are, um, 
are going to need to end over the course of our lives, the godly people in our lives will strengthen and encourage us as we love those who need God in our lives. And so some of those people are, are just thought about in terms of how they're impacting us, and we're missing the fact that God has called us, maybe has put us in a position in that person's life to be the one who's influencing and impacting them. Because that's a, that's a part of all this. The reason why we're called into these relationships is so that we can invite other people into these relationships as well. Because it's not just something that's good for us, it's not just something that's healthy for us, those things are true, but it's also something that we desperately need. The people that don't know who Jesus is, the people who miss out on that relationship, they don't know what the relationship they've been called in, they desperately need us to be influencing them and impacting them and sharing who Jesus is with them. It's something somebody did for us at some point in the past, and it's something somebody in our future or maybe in our present needs, needs for us to do uh, for them right now. Our godly relationships with each other increases our capacity to love as Jesus loved, and it's the most pivotal faith transformation that any of us can experience. And so I, I just, I just want to encourage you as, as you think about the godly relationships that we're called into, not, not only in thinking about in terms of um, how, how can I make time to spend time with other people who are following Jesus to allow that impact and influence to ha have in my life, but also think about the other people in your life that aren't influenced by God and how we're called to, to, to be and, and to live out our faith in those moments, those moments as, as well. It's, it's what the early church was about. It's what they did, and, and God was adding to their number daily because this is the way he's designed and created us to be able to live with and among uh, each other. Let, let me pray for us as we, as we, uh, as we meditate that on, on that together as a church family. God, we thank you for the transformative, pivotal faith relationships that you have uh, put in our path and in, in life. And we ask that uh, you give us the wisdom that we need to know the difference from um, the harm that will happen to us if we're heading in the wrong direction versus uh, the wisdom that we will incorporate into our life uh, as we walk with those who are walking and talking like you. God, we, um, we thank you for the opportunities that we have to invite other people into a relationship with you, and we ask that you uh, give, us, um, give us the wisdom, the strength, the courage, but, but even just, just know, like, which relationships are, are really just taking us in the wrong direction we need to end, and which relationships we need to be the one who's influencing. Um, God, we, uh, we ask that you continually make us more and more like Jesus. Uh, we ask that you care for us the way that you promised to, uh, to make that happen through each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.